you know, it has to be something that people can can grab onto, um, and also uh, you know a twist and you know writing from a, from a perspective. And so I've been interested for a while in writing from from the perspective of being a blind person um, and trying to to see if I can stretch some metaphors out to to not just use sort of visual metaphors. Um, so that's kind of an ongoing thing. Today I'm talking to the great soul jazz musician Raoul Maiden. Raoul, it's so great to meet you here on Zoom. Hi, thank you. Nice to thank you for having me. It's I well, I saw you I uh, well, I heard you on Instagram. I saw the posts, I heard you your amazing music. And I thought it would be great to get to know you and, and hear your story. Oh, thank you. So you're a jazz and soul singer, guitar player, and you're a you're a, a great musician. Um, did you come from a musical family or where did music start for you? Yeah, my uh my father uh, was a dancer and uh we had a pretty extensive record collection when I was growing up. And uh, I sort of credit that with my approach. Uh, we had a lot of sort of unusual music in our house, um, not just, you know, the sort of popular stuff that was around, but we had things like uh, Sinakis and um, John Cage records and you know, Schoenberg and that sort of thing. And when you're a little kid, you don't really think of that as difficult listening. You just listen to it. So for me, that was a big kind of a, a big deal in making me um, look at music in a way that wasn't wasn't exactly in, in a category. Like I didn't grow up thinking I'm going to sing the blues or I'm going to sing jazz or I'm going to sing rock, you know. I just grew up yeah. loving music. Well, this is interesting that you say that because just recently I also spoke to a jazz musician who exactly said the same thing. It's like, he, you know, he listened to records when he was younger and this sort of inspired or this installed this this sound in him so that, that he that is what he wanted to do. And um, so do you, uh, when you, when did you start to realize that you want to become a musician? Well, I think, you know, I just always, you know, was a musician. It, it, there was a certain point in, in which I realized that, that, you know, maybe this would be the way that I would, you know, make a living. That That's a, like a different kind of thing. I didn't yeah. think about that. You know, I just was a musician. And, and I think also... Being blind, uh, maybe you have less distractions. Um, maybe it's a little more conducive to being in your room and, you know, listening or, or or practicing or whatever, you know. Yeah. So did you have formal music lessons then? Did your parents saw your love for music or and, and uh, send you to music lessons? Absolutely. I, I started <clears throat> my first guitar lessons when I was about six. And uh, they weren't, uh, it was with flamenco 
guitar guitar so oh, it wasn't okay. exactly um sort of traditional musical mm -hmm. training but it was uh you know guitar lessons and you know a lot of emphasis on technique and that kind of thing and but of all... course a lot of rhythm you know flamenco is very very intense rhythmically yeah well but well why specifically the guitar as an it was around. I, I really oh, think I that it was the thing that was around. You know, we didn't have a piano in the living room. You know, if we had, I probably would have gravitated to that. Yeah. But it was, uh, we had a guitar, you know, so that's what I picked up. But now the flamenco, um, I spoke to a flamenco uh, guitarist also from Spain, and she said that flamenco is sort of the the thing you know that everybody does and it's just a natural thing and and people improvise and and so on so but you're in america is this uh something also in where you grew up was it something that was um familiar to do my my father owned a a restaurant for a while and every summer for three months, uh, there would be flamenco shows every night. So that's why oh, I okay. really got exposed to sort of live flamenco. He brought dancers in. Uh, he brought all of the people in from New York. So it was pretty high level flamenco shows, you know, in, in New Mexico, where, where I grew up. It was pretty high level stuff. So, yeah, that was uh, along with, you know, everything else. Uh, I think my first two cassettes at the time that I got were Santana and Jose Feliciano, you know, so, so I was listening to all kinds of stuff, but flamenco was, was, a, you know, what I would hear live many, many nights, you know, growing up. And how did this flamenco influence your jazz playing? Um, well, it made me very aware of rhythm. <clears throat> it's also, uh, as jazz is an improvised music yeah um and of course uh yeah this did i i guess those are the two main things it's a it's very rhythmic uh and and improvised the way jazz is so when did you switch to jazz then was it a switch or was it uh, did it just gradually happen it wasn't really a switch i never i i was very influenced by flamenco but i never played flamenco outright uh i was oh, okay. i i studied flamenco and i studied the technique but um so it wasn't really a switch per se um and i didn't really start playing jazz until i went to college i was playing you know all kinds of other stuff jazz is a very sort of complex music so I really started to understand how to deal with it in in when I went to college. Mm -hmm. But now uh, playing jazz, uh, like you say, it is complex. And do you think from li listening to all the music as a young child, could you now uh, form your own style? You know, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think. Um, First of all, I mean, what I do is sort of in the uh, in, in the gray area in some ways. I mean, I'm really a songwriter that mm -hmm. loves jazz. 
Um, I'm not a strictly, you know, go and play standards every night kind of guy, although I did that um, for a while. But but really, I'm a songwriter um, and who is, you know, very steeped in this. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people, I think, who have really incorporated um, jazz. And, you know, obviously, Steely Dan was a huge influence for me. Um, Sting. Um, you know, these kind of songwriters, James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, um, people that incorporated um, wonderful stories and lyrics and characters, but also, um, you know, were, were a little more sophisticated musically. For me, that's, it's not always important. I mean, I can... I can listen to a good two chord folk song as well, but um, but I like um, I think I think harmony adds to the richness of what you're saying. If a good song with the best lyric is enhanced by what you put underneath that lyric. But now you sing as well, so you just so you sing and play. But do yeah. you write for other people as well? I have. Um, I've written for a couple of movies. Um, and some people have, uh, I've written some, co-written some songs that other people did. I don't, I haven't done that that much. Uh, I'm not in a sort of a songwriter's factory, kind of the way that some songwriters write for other people. But uh, But I have done that. But I see you. You've uh, um, you have some Grammy awards also under mm -hmm. your belt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been on a, a number of Grammy-winning albums, and I, I have two Grammy nominations for my for my albums. So. Wonderful. Yeah. So now, what inspires you to write? What inspires the lyrics of your music? It's interesting. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to do for a while now is to write, um, you know, what do I have to continue? You know, writing is a very tricky thing, songwriting, because it's it's a mixture of cliche. You know, it has to be something that people can, can grab onto um, and also, uh, you know, a twist and, you know, writing from a, from a perspective. And so I've been interested for a while in writing from from the perspective of being a blind person um i tried to to see if i can stretch some metaphors out to to not just use sort of visual metaphors um so that's kind of an ongoing thing but as a child um you grew up blind yeah Okay, so um, and and in this industry, is it is it a difficult industry for you to be in, um, because of your blindness? Yeah, I mean, I think sort of life is a little more difficult when you're blind. Um, I mean, you learn in terms of the business how to um, sort of make it work for you. Um, one of the things I learned really early in when I started doing this, just as a you know, a local musician is if if you get the gig, if it's your gig, then you can ask 
for what you need in terms of, you know, either transportation or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I learned uh, that I had to be the leader of the gigs early mm-hmm. as opposed to being a guy who plays, you know, for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that helped a lot in terms of dealing with, with blindness. Um, I think it's a difficult industry right now in general because um, the the actual music has been devalued to the point of absurdity um, right now. You know, people can download anything they want for free from YouTube or, or you know, or, or um, you know, yeah. many other ways of streaming. Um, Spotify has a, a free streaming uh, service so people can get it for free. So people are not used to, people have now gotten used to getting their music for free which is kind of disturbing if that's what you do for a living. Um, It's not so with movies. It's not so with books. People still expect to pay for a book or a movie. But you're absolutely right, because uh, I also grew up in a time where you went out and you bought the the record, you know, you and that that was, there's something magical about that, going to the record store and, sort of paging through the the records and then buying your record and going home and listening to it. And um yeah, that's that's true that you say people just don't don't value that anymore. The music they they just download and uh there's not that thing around it anymore. It's unfortunate and I, I don't know that that can be undone. I don't think it can be. Yeah. Um so I guess the positive side of that is that it's now possible for musicians to make their own music. Um, the technology has gotten to the point uh, where it is actually affordable to assemble your own recording studio and put out music yourself, which is what I've done for the past uh, six or seven albums. Um, okay. I produce, engineer, um, my own records for the most part. And uh, so that's a positive side of this um, mm-hmm. technology revolution that we've had. But it is very difficult uh, for musicians. That's why, you know, touring is sort of the, the only way to make money these days. Mm. Uh, and everybody's touring, so it's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. But do you collaborate also with other musicians? Absolutely. You know, I've done, uh, I mean, I've collaborated with, you know, people like Marcus Miller or Diane Reeves. Um, uh, uh, Liz Wright. Um, I wrote a song with Bill Withers. Um, I did a song with Spike Lee. Um, so, yeah, I, I do do a lot of playing solo though but uh okay. but I also love collaborating and I, and I really love the recording process myself mm-hmm. I really love that sort of the laboratory where you can you know just sort of try things creatively mm-hmm. and and see what what happens as opposed to trying to you know just make it a job where you just write a song and then you write another song I like the creative aspect of of constructing a recording but the fact that you do your own recordings, that give, probably gives you a lot of freedom to do that, to experiment and to use the time to be creative. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, I think that's probably the biggest positive thing for me out of this whole technology thing um, is, uh, you know, particularly for a blind person to be able to access the tools to make your recordings has, has not always been possible. It's only been the past, I don't know, 15 or 20 years that, uh, that you, you had that possibility that, 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 that potential. And do you have the final say then, or do, how much do you, um, depend on other people's opinions, uh, when you do a recording? Not at all these days. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I, I respect other people's opinions and I, and, and yeah. sometimes I, 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 you know, they, they will, uh, say something or make a point, but, uh, I, a long time ago, I, um, I stopped having people tell me what to do <laughs> in terms of my my music. And are you a perfectionist when you when you re- do your recordings? I think so. I mean, okay. when you when you start doing recordings, you you realize the that you know the details. When you're doing a live thing, it's it's all it's more about the vibe and the energy and the you know the feeling with the audience. When you're recording, it's every little detail is is audible, and so yeah. you get very uh, um, picky. It's also important to be able to understand when something is done and when it's right, even you know if it's not absolutely perfect. It's, it's sort of a, a very difficult thing because you know you sort of have this endless possibility to fix things <laughs> but if you yeah. if you indulge that you sort of will never you know you'll make your first album for the rest of your life you know exactly I mean, at some point you, it has to be done right yeah yeah i and, and that's also something i spoke to uh dominic ferris the pianist and he said that uh you have to also um have or acquire this ability to let it go you know to finish it and to let it go and to yeah, yeah it's, it's to tough it. because it, but in a way it's not yours you know like it's yeah. it comes through you for a second and you can shape it with your experience and your your whatever your your tendencies but then it's it's not yours anymore you have to let it go that that's the way i look at it mm-hmm. But now, what do you prefer, live performances or working like this, you know, in your studio and being creative and and following this process, this creative process? Or do you enjoy the connection with your audience? Well, I mean, I enjoy playing live shows. I think probably recording is more my speed. Uh, I think, you know, we all go out on tour in in order to make a living. And uh, and certainly when things are right, it's it's awesome, you know, playing playing uh, playing live shows. Um, it, there's just a lot of other things associated with it. The travel. I mean, oh. I just had I, I just had to cancel a show because of the thing that happened last weekend with United. I mean, I just could not get to the show. I could not. There was no way to get to the show. So. And, you know, so you're stuck at the airport all day and all night. You know, that's not fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can imagine also for the for the people who bought the tickets who want to see you, you know, on the other side, that's... Uh, yeah, it's terrible. Um, and it's, you know, wear and tear. You, you really yeah. have to be careful, uh, you know, especially as a singer. Um, mm. You're an athlete, you know, you have to be aware that you can't just keep, um, you know, straining your your uh, your body you have to exactly and it means eating right eating better it means sleeping better it means you know all of the things that sometimes being uh jet lagged or whatever um are are antithetical to that and so you have to really um and and you have to put that into your scheduling as well you know yeah and your voice, are you? Um, do you take care of that then as well? Because if you do go on tour, I mean, it's a lot of performing. And do you? Is there something that you do that you specifically take care of your voice? Absolutely. Um, drink a lot of water. Um, try not to eat after a show. Um, Eating late is one of the things that you do when you're young and you realize how bad it is. Uh, you know, to sleep right after you eat is just terrible for your bones. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then I use, uh, you know, steam and uh, eucalyptus and, you know, all these other things too. But now um, I saw also on Instagram you have a little dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. And does does the dog go with you when you go on tour? No, no. Oh, okay. <clears throat> no, she's not a you know a, a service dog or anything. She's just our pet. We love her so much. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's so sweet how she um she's on these videos on and photographs that you post on, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. She's uh she's wonderful and luckily we got her when she was a puppy, so she'll be around. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she grew up with the music as well. Absolutely. Yeah. But now, um, Raul, tell me, um, what still are the wishes for you for the future? Um, I mean, I just I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I'd love to to do some uh, there's there's a couple of projects that that are possibilities that I'm kind of excited about some collaborations um and uh I just want to keep exploring um you know the the different there's there's sort of an infinite endless um way to combine things together to make music uh you know it isn't limited to these categories that we all think about and um it's very exciting to me when when something occurs to me that maybe hasn't been done or said quite that way before and there and believe it or not as much as has been said and done there's still things that haven't been so really? yeah. uh, and so it, it's it's just kind of this um I don't know if forward is the right word, but just uh, a continuous exploration. I think it's important to read as well. Uh, if you're if you want to write as a songwriter, 
that you don't need, it's not just about listening to other people's songs. It's also just about reading. Um, so it's kind of a big part of my um, day is re ha having a book that I'm reading, um, whether it's literature, you know, classic literature or, you know, sometimes thrillers or, or whatever. So, um, uh, but it, it, you uh, talk about the reading now, and and I was also wanting to ask you about the writing of the music and and music in. Do you use Braille? Uh, do do you have a typewriter or something where you that you use when you write? No, I use uh, the computer. Um, oh, I see. Okay. I have a computer that talks back to me. Oh, I um, see. Okay. And, you know, these days, uh, Windows, actually, both Windows and Mac have um, screen readers. So, you know, I can use Word, you know, like like everybody else and oh, you know, okay. write, write, write with, with that. And then I use the computer to create the music. I have a software um, mm -hmm. that allows me to to record, you know, the guitar mm -hmm. and the voices and I can do overdubs and, you know. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. technology has really benefited you in this sense. Absolutely. And and there are people behind the scenes that are working, you know, uh, that are working on it. No, the technology is there, but then there has to be somebody willing to sort of um, adapt it for a blind yeah. person. So there is no such thing as a piece of software that is written or or a musical a digital audio workstation that is written for blind people so it mm -hmm. has to be adapted and it takes a lot of work to um basically create scripts that yeah. uh, uh that do what you would normally do with a mouse mm -hmm. so uh, if you're a blind person you can't drag and drop something so you have to find a, a keyboard way to do the same thing yeah um, you can't look at a meter for levels, mm -hmm. so you have to create a script that allows you to read the levels when you're, you know, when you're talking, uh, to make sure that you're not either under or over um, driving, you know, the audio. Mm -hmm. um, and all of the things that one does with professional recordings have to be accessible. So it's a lot of work, and somebody does that work um in in the in, the, in right now i <clears throat> i've switched recently to some new software by magic's called samplitude um that i'm using now i used uh, sonar for a long time so um that's a whole other learning process that you know you have to learn how to use this technology and it is in a lot of ways, unlike the way that a sighted person would use the same exact piece of software. So you can't just find somebody that knows how to use the software that's sighted and have them teach you. It doesn't work that way because the way that you approach it is different. And, and it's different because there's a keystroke for everything that you do as a blind person. Whereas a person who could see would just use the mouse. Well, wow, this is, and, and you know, uh, we take it for granted, but the, when you mention all these things, you think, well, it must be then uh, 
a, a little more complicated for you to get the work done. Absolutely. The, the um, learning process is, is pretty steep. I mean, for anybody, even a sighted person to learn how to use, you know, to record um, yeah. is a process. But then there's this sort of extra layer when you're blind, not only do you have to understand what's going on in terms of the, you know, the uh, the audio and the recording and everything, but you have to, you know, do it in a different way, basically. Yeah. Well, you uh, you have to overcome challenges, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, well, and it's uh, sort of never-ending. Yeah, but, uh, I, I feel, you know, I feel pretty fortunate that I've been able to sort of parlay this into a living yeah. and that I'm doing what I want to do, basically. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I'm, I work for myself. I don't work for anybody. I don't I um, I took myself off of the last record label I was on because I didn't in I didn't like the fact that I did all the work and yet they still own the masters. <laughs> OK, so yeah. I, I don't I I, you know. Um, you know, they wouldn't even do a, like a 50 50 thing, so I'm not, mm -hmm. not going to do it anymore. Well, it's uh, sometimes these things happen to show us that uh, the strength we have, yeah. You know, um, this is what we do, you know. I feel like, um, in today's world, there are there are people who are interested in dividing people uh, in order to get power. And there are people that are interested in bringing people together. And that's what we do as artists. Um, exactly. So, mm. uh, I mean, I can go to anywhere. I can go to Bulgaria. I can go to Korea. I can go to places where people don't speak English and the music still speaks to them. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And, um, have you ever been to Vienna? I have. Oh, you many, have? Many, oh, many, wow. Many yes, yes, I have. Um, oh, that's great. No, yeah, but I, uh, I enjoy uh, the, um, they have really good croissant, croissant in Vienna. Definitely. And, uh, <laughs> the the spetzel and the, the spitz. Oh yes. Tafelspitz <laughs> is a is a big thing there. Yeah. Well, Raul, next time you come to Vienna, you'll have to let me know. I would love Absolutely. to come to one of your concerts. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. But um have a lovely afternoon and thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. <laughs>